Hey Jack, guess what? What? We have a sponsor. Oh yeah, the Orange Theatre Company. They've been entertaining the central west of New South Wales in Australia for over 45 years. Musicals, plays, concerts and workshops, they really cater for all. Check out the Orange Theatre Company's website and socials for more information on their 2021 season. They just get it right, the orchestra, the talent on stage, the audiences love it. You can't go wrong with an OTC production. And you go out the door thinking, I want to see that again. I go out the door watching you in an OTC show and I go, I want to see that again. Oh, stop it, will you? I think exactly the same about you. Oh, gosh, you're such a charmer. Thanks, mate. Anytime. Welcome to Behind the Curtain. Please refrain from singing in the rain, stepping in time, and learning your lines out loud during this podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, and welcome to Behind the Curtain. I did it a little bit differently there. I'm, I'm switching it up, Jack. How are you, brother? I'm very well, George, and how are you? I'm so, so well. I'm really loving oh, some of the feedback that we're getting. I've been scrolling through some of the comments and looking in our, uh, in our DMs. I've been sliding into our yeah. DMs lately, which has just been beautiful. Some good stuff in there. We've had such wonderful messages from our audiences and I'd like to thank everyone for all their kind thoughts and well wishes and we just, we're just delivering, you know, we're doing well. Hey, do you reckon, and, and look, this is the thing, we're going to let our listeners in on this. I mean, they, they listen and they're, they're diehard listeners of this show. They'd know that we record in different places. We started off in the same town, mm-hmm. same studio, mm-hmm. but now we are in different places. So right here, I just want to discuss with you. Uh, an yep. idea for the show. Ooh, ideas. Hit me. Okay. So nothing better than doing a, a production meeting live on a podcast. <laughs> That's right. What do you think we get some of our listeners onto the show? Mm, why not? Let's do it. Let's, let's, let's like run a competition. Oh, okay. Mm, mm, it's like... A competition. We don't know what the competition is yet, but there's going to be something. No. We'll make something up. See what happens. Anything can happen on the show, as we've found out so far. That's right. <laughs> and uh, look, speaking of anything can happen, I can't believe we managed to get this bloke on the show this week. He is an absolute exactly legend. Right. He uh, mm. is also in a third location, which is going to make this uh, <laughs> lots of fun. It's Josh Pitterman. How are you, Josh? I'm very, very well, George and Jack. How are you guys? Going very, very well. Thank you. And Josh, thank you for giving up your time to come on to our show. And Josh, going back to where it all started for you and your musical theatre journey, where, where did it start for you? Uh, I mean, like so many people, I guess it started for me in school, but not till quite late at school in high school and not till quite late in high school. Year 11 for me was my first sort of foray into musical theatre. So I was just about to turn 17. Um, and managed to um, secure a role in Fame, uh, the musical. That was the first one I did um, and fell in love with it straight away and, and really um, it, it enabled me or inspired me, I guess, to change you know, various subjects going to year 12, including 
dropping chemistry and picking up theatre studies. As you do, as you do. <laughs> and then I, I really, year 12 was, was spent studying for, you know, some part, but really looking forward to the next musical, which was Jesus Christ Superstar. And I, I played Judas in that. And that was just confirmation that this is, even though sort of quite late for a, a lot of people, you know, I know people who start, you know, before they can, they even go to primary school, start singing and dancing and whatnot. Um, but I just had this realisation, this is something I really want to pursue in my life um, and didn't really give a thought to what sort of career it would look like, what sort of ups and downs and um, struggles and successes one might have. I was sort of very much in the moment and going, I love this now, I'm going to pursue this now. And um, and yeah, and, and so I did. That's amazing. I, um, I mean, Jack and I have spoken about Jesus Christ Superstar on this podcast quite heavily. I actually played Jesus about three years ago in my high school production, and I just had this incredible, just almost spiritual connection to that role. How did you find playing Judas in that production? Uh, lads, I don't want to give away too much in terms of age, but it was 2003. <laughs> I don't really remember. <laughs> I just know that specific-wise, these are my specifics. I really struggled singing Heaven on Their Minds. Big that, song. That big song, but for someone mm. who'd barely sung before, it was a screamathon, somewhere <laughs> near the notion of pitch, but never quite <laughs> in pitch. Um, and I also recall uh, some leather pants that I wore for the um for the superstar number um somehow the zip button broke i was left sort of like just undies out front and center um so so acknowledging that pitch and i weren't great friends and that i had a you know a sort of costume malfunction i still wanted to pursue this so um (laughs) Yeah, so in that sense, it was um, it was a it was a great sort of learning lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's funny because I think our stories are already starting to line up just in that earlier yeah. stage during Jesus Christ Superstar, but also the whole pant story. I've gone on stage without <laughs> pants, nearly. It was crazy. It's Good. a hor- horrible what feeling. To you? Well, uh, it was it was sort of like I was playing uh, Reverend Moore in Footloose. Would you believe it? And he's, you know, the reverend, he's the respectful guy. He's got to, you know, do all the good things in the town. And uh, one performance, I, I lost my pants. I couldn't find them. My beautiful blue pants. You couldn't find them on stage or in your dressing room? In my dressing room. I couldn't find oh, them in my dressing room. Say, if, you, if you're on stage and you couldn't find them, <laughs> no, probably on your legs. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know what? Uh, that's so what also very... It's very well. I ended up like going through all of the blokes' like uh, backpacks and just searching and searching. And there was like, you know, Nike shorts and Adidas whatevers. And I ended up going on in a pair of Nike trackies. So it would have looked so, so odd with a a full on blazer, a tie, and some Nike trackies with some dress shoes. Like, what an absolute idiot. Yeah, just do it, man. Just do it. Well, literally. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Now, Josh, following on from high school, you went on to go and study at Federation University with a Bachelor of Arts in Musical Theatre where you graduated in 2006. How did that 
experience shape your career, do you think? Oh, I mean, I, you can't put, sort of quantify it. Like, um, you know, to go in with very, very little training, I'm, I mean, barely as many singing lessons or certainly no acting training other than just doing musicals, no dance training. Um, I was sort of very, very green. Um, and But I think what that in, enabled was just like be really open-minded and like, accept everyone just be everything and just be a sponge to it there's no sort of like um jadedness or comparing previous experiences to the experiences I'm having comparing previous teachers to the teachers I've now got it was just all new and so I just took it all in and what I think also held me in pretty good stead was I was very sporty growing up like extremely sporty and you know sport requires a lot of discipline, a lot of training, a lot of hours and commitment to task. Like you just keep committing yourself and you know that in time there's improvement. And I think a skill level, musical theatre is a bit like that, separate from the artistic level, which obviously in the end is the, the, the part that gets you employed. But just to like hone skill, hone skill, hone skill. So I was very good at just going, all right, oh, everyone's going out to get on the piss. I'm not really interested in that. I am interested in my harmonic minor scale. So I'm just going to drill that for the next, you know, mm. hour or so and pick up some other scales. And I, I just, I just study at home and I was just, I just geeked out on it yeah. really for three years. And so coming in as one of the sort of weaker guys in the course and therefore one of the weakest people in the course, because the the ladies were always, you know, a bit more advanced with having, studied it you know, and and this is pre-glee so which is a, a sort of defining thing in music theater really because it became normal for men to go and do this when I wanted to do this at high school I, I copped so much flack from my jock mates um you can only imagine the sort of things I, I, I was called and um how, how challenging that was at times but um yeah I guess I, I just um acknowledge that if I just put the same work ethic I did to sport, I will improve. And by the end of third year, I was, I was playing the, the leads and, and um, the, the lead in, in the big shot, which ends up being at the princess theater in Melbourne. It was production of kiss me Kate. Um, and that helped me get an agent and, and sort of got me, you know, so I, I, people always ask me, young people always ask me, oh, what's your advice for young theater performers? I don't really have advice in the sense that my journey is going to be different to someone else's, but um, I know we live in a culture of immediacy, validation, you know, social media sort of does that, but um, just work hard, just, just do the work and enjoy practicing, enjoy the practice of practicing, you know, and that's not, that doesn't come with kudos. You don't get any trophies, don't win any awards. No one sees you do it. That's where that's where the joy happens. If you can get really, if you love being at home doing your scales or practicing your pirouettes in the mirror, you probably end up doing quite well. Josh, do you remember any performances where your sporting colleagues came along and you were performing on stage and you sort of glimpsed them in the audience and you went, "Holy smokes! Like they're here." watching me and you know did you speak to them after that performance did you walk out into the auditorium going holy shit like what's going to happen uh not so much at high school i don't recall that but i do recall those very people 
being incredibly supportive of my professional career and, you know, coming to see me and, and catching them in the audience of um, West Side Story at the region or which was 11 years ago now, or even beautiful, um, you know, more recently in Australia, the Carol King musical and, and catch, seeing them in the audience, you know, during the curtain call or catching them at stage door afterwards and, and, um, and, and really, you know, seeing how proud they were. You know, kids at 16, 17, 18 say all sorts of stuff that they don't really know the effect of. Um, but, you know, you hope that by the time they're grown men in their 20s and 30s, that they've, um, you know, they're a little bit more open-minded. And Josh, you're actually part of the international pop opera group, The Ten Tenors, probably after you actually finished your, your studies at uh, uni. And what was that experience like for you? I know it was a bit different to musical theatre. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I grew a real passion, you know, with sort of geeking out on, on um, the, the intricacies of technical singing at uni. I really geeked out on classical repertoire um, and, and crossover repertoire. And that's sort of spawned and sparked my journey into that music beyond just the 10 tenors and doing, you know, having a sort of solo career that's worked hand in hand with classical crossover and, and musical theatre. Um, so the 10 tenors was, was amazing. And that was the closest thing, I guess, to um, melding my two passions of sort of the sporting team environment and um, hanging out with guys in that sort of, that sort of way, that camaraderie that you, you have in a sporting team, but in a, in a musical forum. Um, you know, it was, it was not just the 10 or 11 blokes that toured and sung and sometimes 12. Um, it was, uh, all the crew, everyone really, other than, um, you know, partners who came on tour, it was, it was really about 17 men on tour. So it's really just like, you know, it's like a, it's like a footy team in, in some way. And, and, mm. um, and, and certainly we, we had experiences that were akin to some of the experiences, I guess, some footy teams might have. So <laughs> I guess I'll say that what happens on tour stays on tour. <laughs> but, um, but for like, that was like my second or third professional gig coming out of uni, started that in 2008, did it for about 18 months. And I mean, I just had a whirlwind at the time, I went to every continent um, and uh, got to explore the world and, and get paid for it. For a 22, 23 year old, um, you know, that that's a, such a gift um, get to exposed to singing very challenging material under the pressure of an audience, but with the support of nine other blokes around you. And um, I really honed my chops a lot and sort of got me ready to go into musical theatre as more of a leading player. It's so interesting. We've had a lot of people on this podcast so far that have had just already this connection with beautiful uh the carol king musical like they've just been in the cast or they knew that their best friend was in the show it's just kind of funny how it's worked out that way we didn't set out to make this podcast about tackling beautiful the carol king musical actors but it's just worked out that way but i remember leaving i remember leaving that show going holy smokes like i mean i I walked into it going i've got no idea what this is going to be about walked out going that was absolutely incredible but it was also mm. quite dark in some bits. How do you go with... My bit. That's it. <laughs> I was about to say, how, like, how did you go eight shows a week or however many shows it was, like, being in that, being in that you know, acting state of mind? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I um, uh, have never shied away from the fact that um, I, I 
sometimes went a little bit too far with delving into the character of Jerry and um, and met my you know met challenges doing that. Um, you know, it uh, I, I had a little bit of therapy during it just in order to sort of separate self from character a bit. Um, and it, yeah, you know, you just by repeating that stuff. But also, I'm an actor who is. Um, I don't like to be stagnant in a role. I, I can't just rock up and do what I did last night. I want to take the parameters of everything I've done and try and make it new and fresh. And in that, you do tend to swim a little deeper into some things at times. And when you're dealing with bipolar and schizophrenia and, um, you know, adultery and sort of really, um, really dark, challenging, um, sort of shadow self stuff, um, time and time again it can catch up with you and it certainly did uh, in, in more in the wintry months of Melbourne where you sort of everything's um, heightened in that sort of sense but um you know I, I I just found it so enjoyable to do as an as an actor and I hadn't explored a role like that that wasn't really a singing role for most the most part um, and, I, and I just loved it thank thankfully you can, one of the things that I learned is that although his character is really dark, what's going on in the show is very uplifting. Yeah. And if you separate yourself from yourself and whatever mm. I'm experiencing on stage and just take in the company and take in the show and be side stage watching everyone, you know, um, uplift people and sing those tunes. My God, those tunes. Yeah. Um, if you can very quickly snap out of any bullshit that's going on in your, in your own mind. Def yeah, definitely. And Josh, I guess going from like an Australian audience to say a UK audience, did you notice some differences? Um, not not particularly. I mean, a beautiful audience compared to a Phantom of the Opera audience, it's a very different sort of um, crowd, I, mm. I think. Um, and, and the thing about the UK, well, the West End is, is that so much of that audience, especially for a show like Phantom, for tourists, coming in from all over the world to see the Phantom of the Opera in the original theatre that had opened in the 9th of, of October, 86, and, and see that original production. Um, and that, that comes with something else. And I think for Beautiful, the majority of the people who are seeing it are, um, you know, Aussies or, or even people from that state or city. So it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's a totally different, different thing. Um, but uh, what I found i guess just thinking about it out loud is that um the world bloody loves musical theater um so so much it's such a um not just an escape from you know ordinary world in which we live in but an entrance into a non-ordinary world that is so um fulfilling so rich so you know so soulful so spiritual so it makes us feel things that we can't often we don't or can't feel in our ordinary lives and um you know just sort of speaking aloud i'm so glad it's coming back into the australian landscape because um i think mm. we're, we're all missing it and, and i really just my heart breaks every day for my mates and um in in the states and in, in the uk and various other parts of the world where it's just um no one knows how long it's going to take for theater to come back you know and it, it deprives the society Josh, we'll come back to that in a second, but I, 
the thing that astounds me most, mate, is how you've you go from playing a uh, pantless Judas who couldn't hit the notes, <laughs> who was sort of screaming his way through it, to playing the the role of musical theatre up there with like mm. it's the one of the one of the best. Like it's the dream role for any male, the Phantom. Do you look back and look in between that journey and go like, wow, I've come a long way. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I do, and I I um I think coming from that, um, I constantly remind myself of that because it's a great way to stay grounded, um, great way to you know not not let roles and the magnitude of them, um, you know, s- sort of distort what my ego or any of that bullshit that I I, I really don't like to play a part in, um. You know, there's a part of me that will always be um, a 16 year old boy struggling to hit the notes in Superstar. And I want to hold that true because that's the core of a part of the core of, you know, who I am. Um, and, and it reminds me of how hard I worked and so that I can feel responsible for, for my success and responsible for my failures and, you know, everything on the in-between and the in-betweens and stuff. And um, yeah, uh, it, it certainly has been a, a great sort of, uh, almost almost 20 year journey from starting musical theater but josh as we've mentioned before you've played roles all across the world including um in cats where you're nominated and won best support actor in a musical with the green room award as well as courtney collins in the uk tour of hairspray and currently the phantom in the phantom of the opera on the west end and is there an experience that particularly stands out for you uh yeah, I, I guess um, two most recent ones, like performance experiences, that stand out will, will, will always be the opening night of Phantom, mm-hmm. uh, which was um, September 19th. It was, I think it was the 9th of September 19th. Um, and but just because you spend so much time in this industry rising and rising and rising and trying to extend yourself. But in what, you know, you said, George, is like this sort of, you know, arguably the most iconic male role. That opening night I felt as, you know, once I settled in by, you know, sort of sort of midway through Act One, by the time I got to the, the bows, I felt like I'd landed, like, like, the, the plane of self had landed yeah and it was a very grounding experience it, it, you know i was thrilled um but i was also you know it's like i feel like i, I didn't have to wrestle up a ladder or, or of trying to prove myself or anything like that anymore i was like you know this is um it's just beautiful this is the most beautiful performance experience this is very, very special. And I could be very present in that moment and, and, and just witness how special that was. And I'm um, sharing it with my family, both family in the UK and, and parents and stuff who'd flown over and my now fiance who was in the audience and her family from Scotland. And, um, you know, they were all sort of between five and eight rows from the front and standing for that bow at the end and seeing them all rise to their feet and, all the connections I've had with him over my life. It was, um, that was a very beautiful, yeah, once again, grounding moment. 
And the second one was really the, the moment that got me the audition for Phantom in the first place, which um, was singing Dorma at the Australia Day, uh, Australia Day Live show, which was sort of national broadcasting on the ABC at the start of 2019. Um, and, um, you know, <laughs> I haven't sung much on national TV um prior to that even though i've had roles that have given me the opportunity it just sort of never arose so you know having a, a big moment like that singing a song like ness and dorma there's um you know it it can sort of go one of two ways really um and it was um it equally was a, just an incredibly special moment where you just you know innately this has gone so well but you only know that in hindsight because in it, you're really lost. I was really lost in the moment. Um, so they're two, yeah, two great moments that I'll never forget. Goosebumps, mate. I just got goosebumps all mm. over hearing you say so that. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Cheers, dudes. You seem like a guy who's really, and we're going to get a bit personal here if you don't mind, but you seem like you're really in touch with your emotions, which I think is a really admirable thing. Uh, especially in fellows these days, because there's this whole idea of toxic uh, masculinity. Where, where do you get your sensitive side from? Uh, I think I was sort of, to a degree, born with it. You know, I speak to my mum about it and I was always, you know, even in like creation kinder was always the boy who wanted to hug the teachers and um, always extremely affectionate and um, had this deep desire to love and be loved. And I think that's part of the reason why I got into performing, you know, that need to be loved, that need for validation, for acceptance. And it's taken me a long part of my career to actually acknowledge that that's a part of it and just to be to be okay with that. And I think it's only in being okay with it and you go, ah, oh, that was part of it, that you sort of, not that you don't need it because you do need it as a performer, you need to know you're doing well, you need to be validated to a degree, but to not only need that. and you know, so that that's uh, so it's it's always been there. But um, you know, having relationships that have broken down and questioning my myself and you know my actions and stuff within them, and um, you know, you, you do some some pretty big soul searching, and and um, and that's also doing doing the work. And and I've, I've got the opportunity to play some very complex men, but it's only since I've gone through complex shit in my own life. And the two mirror each other and, you know, as art does imitate life. And I've really, I've really enjoyed going into the complexity of roles and the complexity of myself and watching it, you know, the, the work that I do evolve as a result of, you know, delving deeper into my own um, spirituality, psychology, emotional, mental health, all, all of that. Um, and, and I guess, you know, I've, I've been a strong meditator for, five, six years now, generally a twice a day sort of meditator, although that can wane from time to time. And then I actually used 2020 as an opportunity to study a certain technique so I could teach it because, um, you know, I wasn't performing. So I was like, how do I make most of the time? What's another passion of mine? I'll, um, I'll teach meditation because I also think it's, like I said about performing, it's a, ga- it's a beautiful gateway into a non-ordinary world of spirituality and your soul and heart and feeling. and um, But you know, so it, it's given me a um, that that meditation has given me so much clarity around life and um, and yeah, I, I guess uh, part of that is being in touch with my emotions. And I hope that 
you know, Australia had said it is such a toxic masculine society in, in so many ways. And, um, yeah, I don't shy away from that, you know, that, that starts from the top. So, um, you know, um, so whatever side of politics you're on, I, you know, if you can't see that in, in um, Morrison, then I, mean, I don't know what you're looking at. So, um, you know, I think um, we need to change that. So little, little communities, little hubs, little people in certain realms sparking these conversations, asking men to question actions, question thought processes, just question the way they treat women, uh, the way they treat people of uh, other gen gender, um, uh, race, religion, <laughs> colour, you know, all of these things, and question self. Um, you know, our, I think our job in this world is to sort of expand and connect and belong to something bigger than ourselves, even bigger than humanity, nature, everything. And if we're not starting inward and questioning ourselves and curious about our, ourselves, then... Um, then, I mean, what are we? I feel like maybe our ancestors many, many, many years ago were always doing this work. I mean, that's what Indigenous culture is all about. You know, we look at the Rainbow Serpent and Dreamtime and all that. We're all getting into a lot of this stuff. I know that we've dived away from musical theatre, but it's at the core of what it is to be human, to, to, to study yourself in a way and know how you can be better so that you can better serve all those around you. Um, starting with your family and friends and every radius out from that. So, yeah, I guess that's pretty freaking deep, but that's sort of <laughs> a part of um, what I value. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and think, I guess why I love musical theatre and theatre because yeah. the opportunity to explore that too. And Josh, 2020, what a year. COVID, shows stopping everywhere around the world. What was it like for you to get that phone call saying, Josh, unfortunately, we can't go on tonight. Restrictions are coming to place. Shit's getting real. What happened? What happened for you? Yeah, dude. Oh, it was, um, that was a moment. So we were, we came into work. It was a Monday. I think it was sort of on or around the 16th of March-ish. Yeah, about that. It was a Monday and we got into work. And just as we got in, Boris Johnson had announced that, um, that, well, he'd advised against anyone going to live entertainment as of today. And that was enough for the producers to, you know, Cameron, Officer Cameron and, and um, Lord Andrew um, to, to uh, send us home for, for the day and the week. And then it just kept going and going and going. And, um, you know, a couple of months later, it was time for us to, you know, leave the contracts and, um, and, you know, it was, it was devastating, devastating for everyone. You know, there was people involved in that com company who had been there since the first notes were played in 1986. There's mm. people who acted in that show since 1990. Like they'd been on stage for over 10,000 performances of the original production oh, wow. of Phantom. And they, and they lost their jobs in that moment. That's devastating, devastating. Um, so it, it was, it was a lot. And that's just one tiny component of, the West End yeah. of the UK of the world. You know, these calls were happening everywhere, and um, yeah, it was it was just it was so painful. And so I, I enabled myself to sit in that pain for a little bit, and then go. All right, there was one day in particular. I was in Edinburgh with my um, fiance and her family, 
and I just didn't want to get out of bed for the majority of the day. I was just, I'm just like, I'm just hurting. Mm. And um, I just allowed myself to hurt for a while because it was shit and painful. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't done a musical since, but I'm much more um, being back in Oz now. And, you know, the, the perspective and the reset that you get through 2020, I think for a lot of people, you go, all right, this is devastating, but we can see there's a light at the end of the tunnel very much. And it's a strong light and this show is coming back and, mm. you, know, uh, you know, evidently there'll be an opportunity to hopefully get back in the mask one day, but just, just to be on stage. Yeah. yeah. Josh, it's very rare. And I think Jack can definitely agree with me when I say this, it's very rare. We go into an interview and come out like, or come out the other side as if we've, been in a meditation session i feel like completely relaxed completely (laughs) like all of my worries from today they're just far far away you're a calming calming person um so mate thank you thank you so much for just for being you it's been a real a real joy to to get to know you a bit better through this through this interview oh cheers george cheers jack thanks (laughs) for the opportunity and hey guys keep keep doing what you're doing it's it's wonderful i've sort of looked on you on your insta page and i, I just um you know, you're obviously both so passionate about this space and this industry and um mm. you know you're being of service to it and you're giving it you know um giving to it you know and giving to people who are, who are keen to be a part of it too so thank you no worries thank you very much josh but is there a place where people can reach you and also follow your musical theater journey uh yeah the gram Probably, the, the probably gram. Instagram is yeah the gram yeah always the gram just just <laughs> at Josh Bitterman. Um, it, that's the easiest way and I, I respond to all my direct messages and you know I, I yeah if you if you ask me a question as you guys know you guys did if you ask me a question <laughs> it deserves to be answered so yeah mate you're a genuine dude you're a real genuine dude mm. it's uh, been great chatting to you and uh, we'll do it again sometime this isn't the end we'll do some other chat as uh, as things uh, eventuate throughout 2021 yeah awesome I'd love that Good all on the you. best lad awesome thank you very much Josh we truly appreciate it there he is Josh thanks guys Peterman right here on Behind the Curtain what an absolute legend thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Be sure to give the boys a rating and review and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at behindthecurtain.podcast. Talk soon.